The following teaching is from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat at Trinity Pines. We hope it is a blessing to you. For more information about the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, you can visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. That's houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. Time that we're gonna we're gonna interact hopefully a little bit more than what we would on Sunday morning. Sunday morning I'm not able, or Sunday night I'm not able to uh, to ask you questions and you um, speak back to me. So I want you to do this as we kind of make a little workshop out of this. What question is it? Let's ask some questions. What are you looking for to find God's will in? So what category are you asking? Man, I, I really want to know God's will. What? Give me some of, some of those things. What is it? Relationships. Okay. Uh, friendships. Girlfriends. That's Girlfriend, okay, got work, vocation, children, okay, ministry, so whether to be in it or out of it, kind of, I mean, we're all in it, but vocational possibly, that's what I mean by that, okay, good, somebody else, retirement, it's a great question, yeah, you know, a lot of times we get to retire, it's like, what do we do, military, service, yeah, what do you do, that's awesome, that's awesome. Um, that's great. If you want to turn me up a little bit, maybe just a tad, because I don't want to mess up screaming too much. Um, those are all great things that we are able to say, okay, what do we want to do? Now, here's what I want you to do. On your bottom of your listening guide that you have, I want you to write down, if you could ask God one question about God's will, I want you to write that down for you personally. We got some, some big ones out there, but now let's write down personally. So it might be, who do you want me to date? Um, do you want me to be married? It could be that in the single category. It could be that you ask the question, what do you want me to do vocationally? How do you want me to spend my money? Whatever it is. So if you can, write that down. Take just a second, write that down. All right. Okay, now let's ask this question. Let's ask the question and say, why do you want to know God's will? Somebody give me some, some different words on that. Why do you want to know God's will? Because he wants to do what he wants. Awesome. That's great. That's a good one. Want to make the right decision. Confidence. Confidence. Awesome. Less stress. It's good. It's good. Anybody else? Want to be satisfied in life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Want to be used by Him. It's great. Okay? It's great. I think those are great things because here's what we have to do. We have to decide two things, and this is what I want. I want to give you some real practical things. I want you to be able to ask a clear question of the Lord. I want to know your will in X, Y, Z. Because here's what we do. We come to God and we want this big ambiguous question. Lord, what is your will for my life? That's really a huge question, isn't it? What do you mean by that? And how will you know if God will ever answer that? Or if he has answered that? But when you ask a specific question, then that specific question enables you to say, okay, Lord, I'm asking a specific question about dating, about retirement, about vocation, about money, about uh, being used by you. And then from that, I want to say, okay, now let me ask, I've got this question. Now let me check my motives with that. Why do I want to know that? And here's the deal. Here's the kind of the trick, if you will. Here's the, 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 the pull of it, the balance. You've got to want to know God's will for God's purposes, not your ease, okay? God's purpose is not your ease. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first his kingdom and righteousness, then all of these things shall be added unto you. So what we do a lot of times is we come with a felt need asking for God's will. So we, we, we want, I want to go out with somebody on a date. 
Well, that's a good feeling. But the first feeling is, Lord, I want to glorify you in my relationships, right? And then from that, God, if you want that to be as a single man, as a, a man in a relationship with a girl, as a married man, whatever it is, I want to know that. So we want to keep God's purposes, number one, and then our pleasures, if you will, number two. And when we get those things reversed, God doesn't smite you and get upset with you, but he just wants to put it back in the right frame of reference to be able to do that. Once you turn to Exodus chapter three, okay? If you got your Bible on your phone or in your hand, Exodus chapter three. And I'm gonna show you in this chapter, you can read this chapter, the whole thing. We're going to read basically the whole thing, but you can read it later. As homework, this is the chapter of Scripture that I used to go through a very important decision in my life, and that was whether or not to leave Breakaway Ministries at Texas A&M and to come to First Baptist as a pastor, okay? So that's a, that's a, that's a decision. My decision actually affected you, Right? It affected your families. It affected our church. And you know what? I feel more called today, 11 years in, than I've ever felt called in my life to be the pastor of our church. So that's the kind of decisions we want, right? Where we make a decision, we see the blessing of the Lord in it, and we look back 11 years later is where I am right now, and we go, that's exactly where, man, I got it right. Not, uh, uh, uh. I mean, wouldn't that discourage you if your pastor was like, hey, guys, I'd I think I want to be your pastor. I'm not real sure anymore. You know, no. Confidence was one of the things that we had. Okay? So let's look. And somebody read for us, if you will. I want you to read verses 1 um, and one uh, through 3. So somebody read 1 through 3. Okay, Moses in the burning bush. Moses is going to be called to lead the people of, of Israel out of Egypt, right? Big, huge story. We've all heard the story before. Now, here's what he does. The first thing that we get to, and it's the first point in our listening guide, is this. Doing God's will leads to finding God's will. Doing God's will leads to finding God's will. What is Moses doing? In verse 1, he's shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He's got the flock on the far side of the mountain of Horeb. So here he is. He's doing what he knows to be doing is God's will at that point. Doing God's will leads to finding God's will. How do you find a, a, a good job? Here's how you find a good job. You do a good job, right? So where you are right now, you do an amazing, knock them down, amazing job. And then in that, you could put your resume out, but what you don't do is you don't slack for six months because you're sick of your job and then hope God's going to give you another one. See the difference? You don't say, okay, well, hey, uh, God, I really want to marry um, uh, an amazing uh, Christian lady, but the girl that you're dating right now, you never go to church and you're always messing around. That's not going to get you to where you want to do, where you want to be. So what we've got to do is we've got to realize doing God's will of what we know right now today. What do you know today? In knowing that today, do that. And then God will show you the next right thing that he wants you to do. So here he is, and he has got, um, he is on, he's tending Jethro's, Jethro's sheep. Now, anybody tell me, why was Moses with Jethro? What, why, why in Moses um, in Egypt anymore? A little mistake he made. Yes, sir. He killed the Egyptian, so he had to run away from him. That's exactly right. He saw the Egyptian that was treating the Israelites wrong. He took his matter, God's matter in his own hands. He killed the Egyptian, buried him, and then had to run out. And he ran away. And now he's here with Jethro, and he's tending sheep. Now, he is 80 years old at this time. And let me tell you what a good job is not. Tending your father-in-law's sheep. Okay? Not your own sheep. 
Not only is he tending his father-in-law's sheep, he's tendering his father-in-law's sheep. Where is he tending them? Somebody tell me in the scriptures where it said. The backside of the mountain, right? You're tending your father-in-law's sheep at 80 years old on the backside of the mountain. You're not in a good place, but he's trying to be faithful at that time. Here's the great news. Biblical blunders still follow and still end up having God's will in their life. Now, let me think it, tell it to you like this. Abraham lied. Jacob cheated. David had an affair. Moses murdered. Rahab was a harlot. Peter talked too much. Paul was a murderer. Timothy was young, afraid, and sickly. So guess what? You are perfect for God to use. You're perfect for that. I was made for this. This is great. I, I can really, I've done, you know, a lot of those things. I've had an affair and cheated, but, or been a harlot, but I've, I've sure talked too much and I've lied and I've done some things wrong. I've sure felt like I'm on the backside of the mountain, okay? So Moses is on the backside of the mountain tending his father-in-law's sheep. Amazing thought. Now, some scholars think that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai were actually the same mountain. So let's just go with that thought for just a second. If that's true, that means that where Moses is tending, kind of hiding from God, is where he's going to later receive the Ten Commandments from God. Isn't that an amazing thing? You could be in the same city, the same location, and God could be using you uh, in a whole different way. I grew up in Houston, uh, A-Leaf area, southwest part, became a Christian when I was 16 years old. Um, and was really partying and drinking and doing all sorts of crazy wild stuff. And there's places in Houston I'll drive through, and I'll have a memory of being drunk there, of doing wild, crazy stuff there. And now I'm a pastor there in the same city. That's what's how, how God can do it. It's awesome. And I know sometimes my, my high school friends got to open up the newspaper and see the ad for our church and be like, do what? I'm not going to that church if he's a pastor, that's for sure. But it's just an amazing thing of what God can do. Ministering to a friend right now, a high school friend, just blew up his marriage about two weeks ago, and he called me. We've been friends a long time. Hey, this is what's happened. And so I'm ministering in the same city to the same person, right, that I used to, uh, you know, be, be not doing good stuff when we were in high school together. So doing God's will leads to finding God's will. He's alone. He's shepherding. But he's in a regular routine of trying to do a good job. Have you ever sat on the couch and you're looking for the remote control and you can't find it? Where does that remote control end up being sometimes when you're sitting on the couch looking for the remote control? It's in, the, in your hand. Okay, that's even worse. <laughs> that fits even better with my point. But what I was thinking was in the couch cushions, right? It's, it's, there, it's right there underneath us. And sometimes God's will is like that. It's right there with you. Just do what you know to do at the right place. That's the first point out of five. We got five points on finding God's will. Any thoughts on that, on doing God's will leads to finding God's will? Does that make sense? So I'm trying to call you to, as I'm trying to call you to being a hard worker, and you're going to find what God wants for you vocationally. I'm trying to call you to doing a great job. And that's how you're going to discover things that are going well. I'm trying to call you to not, does God want me to be a millionaire, but does God want you to steward your resources today with what you have? Does God want you to to be married? Okay, well, what today are you doing to get your heart ready to be that kind of guy that that kind of girl wants to meet? What are you doing in your marriage today that's going to be able to do that? We're all waiting for God's will to be this 90 miles out on the horizon. God's will can be right there underneath you. 
and you just do what you know at that point. Point two about finding God's will in your listening guide, write this down. Take a step to discover God's will. Take a step to discover God's will, okay? Now, um, here's what I want you uh, to read. Somebody read for me verse 3. Ryan, will you read verse 3? Okay. Moses thought, I will go over, underline that in your Bible if you got, if you got your pen with you. Whatever your version says, there's some type of movement in there. Do you see it? Does anybody have any other different words besides go over? Turn aside. It's great. Okay. So he's going one direction. He's going to turn aside. He's going to go over. Here's the point. Take a step to discover God's will. Many of us have this paralysis by analysis paralysis by analysis. So what we do is we're like, oh, I don't know. 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 Let me ask all these questions. And we make it this algorithm. Here's what God wants you. Take a step. Well, does God want me to go on a mission trip? Well, I don't know where I should go on a mission trip. Should I go on a mission trip? I don't know if it's Guatemala or Guam. Who cares? Go. If you get it wrong and you end up in Guam and you're supposed to be in Guatemala, God's going to be okay with that. It's okay. It's not a problem. Just go. Take a step and go for it. And what will happen is it'll be like walking on water. Peter takes that step. And what happens? He's now taking another step and another step. What happens with Moses? He's standing at the Red Sea, puts his staff in, takes a step. Does he know if the water's going to crash in halfway through? No, he doesn't. But he has to take that step. So here's what happens. We have what's called a theophany. A theophany. Does anybody know the definition of a, the word theophany? Big $64,000 word here. Yes, yes. It would be really appearance of God because a theophany would be God, but Christophany is what you're saying. So um, uh, when you think of that, that's a, an appearance of God or appearance of Christ. And some people think this could be, to your point, the incarnate Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. So before Jesus was born, we know that he's eternal in nature, that this is for sure God. It could be even actually Jesus speaking to him through the burning bush. Okay? So he's having a theophany. God is speaking to him. We'll talk about that in just a second. He's encountering a burning bush. He takes a step. Now, I want you to notice there's a process here. There's a process here. This is key. Okay? This is the whole big deal right here. Okay? Here's what he does. He walks, takes a, he sees a strange sight. Okay? Number one, there's a bush that's not burning up. That's number one, strange sight. Number two, he walks up to it. Okay? Number three, he worships, we'll see in just a second, with his, with his uh, shoes being taken off on holy ground. Then number four, he hears his voice, his name called out of the bush, okay? Here's what you and I want. We want the exact opposite. We want to hear our name called out of the bush before we'll begin to worship, before we'll move closer, before we'll go, wow, that was an amazing work of God, right? He doesn't do it like that. You're not going to hear your name called, specific God's will for your life, until you notice some strange sights and you begin walking up and you begin to worship and then you're able to do it. So here's what you do. You're, you're doing a great job in your job if we take it vocationally. You're doing a great job. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is so weird. I totally bumped into a friend from college that started telling me about a different job. That is really weird. So now that's the strange sight. I'm gonna walk a little bit closer. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? That's interesting to me. Okay, that, that makes sense. Well, could I turn in my resume? Okay, that makes sense. The bush doesn't burn up. You continue to have the interviews. It continues to go well. You begin to say, Lord, I'm worshiping whatever you want. 
whatever you want, I'll do it. And so finally you hear, Greg, Greg, I want you to be the pastor at Houston's First Baptist Church. You see the process? Instead of analysis by paralysis, or paralysis by analysis, where I've got to get all those things in, in line before I'll take a single step. It's not going to work. So what happens? You see a girl, and you're single, and you go, and only if you're single, okay? If you're married, this does not work for you. Uh-uh. And something kind of goes, woo, in you. And you're like, okay, strange sight. I mean, not hopefully too strange, hopefully beautiful strange sight. <laughs> so you take a step. How are you? Okay? I mean, you, you got it. Single guys, you're going to have to have at least enough courage to say, how are you? Okay? Practice in the mirror. You got to just be able to do that. <laughs> so you got to walk up and take a step and say, how are you? And then have a bit of a conversation. Then as you have that bit of a conversation, you're like, that's interesting. I just saw her again. I just saw her again. It's not because you're following her, okay? It's because <laughs> it begins to intersect in interaction. And then you're like, Lord, whatever you want to do. And then the Lord takes it further. Here's the thing, single guys. The only thing you got to decide on date one is, is there date two? If you try to figure out on date one whether she's going to be your wife, you're going to scare her off, okay? And it's probably going to scare you off too. All you got to decide is on date one, is there date two? That's it. And then on date two, decide if there's date three and date four and, and just keep on going and keep seeing if the bush burns up. And so this theophany, there's a process that he worships. He goes over to see the strange sight and then the bush never burns up. Let's talk about that for just a second. Who lit the bush? God, that's right. God lit the bush. Did Moses have anything to do with the fire in the bush? No. Here's what we have a temptation to do. We're walking around with our aim and flame, you know, those little... And we're trying to light bushes on fire, aren't we? God, I think she is your will for my life, Lord. Click, and you're trying to light that on fire. Lord, I think that your will for my life is this... And I'm trying to light this on fire. Lord, I think your will for my vocation is this, and I'm trying to light it on fire. The same thing... But in the opposite, so similar, but, but uh, opposite, we walk around with a fire extinguisher. Lord, I, I don't like that part of my life. That was Ben's whole talk last night, wasn't it? That the wolves build the river, right? And we're trying to knock this out and try to extinguish the flames. What I would love to call you to do is don't walk around trying to light the bush on fire and don't walk around trying to extinguish the flames of God. Look for the strange sights in your life that don't burn up. You want things that are eternal in your life. Doesn't mean you're going to have the same job your entire career. Doesn't mean that you're going to live in the same city your entire life. Does mean you're going to have the same wife your entire life, right? Unless she passes away. But to be able, that's God's will. So, but we don't want to be lighting things and um, trying to extinguish things. Okay, does that make sense? Any questions about that? The bush, the fire, the strange sight. Four things. One, uh, he sees a strange sight. Two, he goes towards it. Three, he worships. Four, he hears his name called. Okay? Strange sight. Takes a step towards it. Worships by taking his shoes off. And then he hears Moses, Moses. Okay? So here I am, First Baptist Houston. Um, uh, the pastor search committee calls. I answer the phone. I'd been speaking at First Baptist Houston. 
That was, that was kind of cool because the thing was that you weren't supposed to, if you were a speaker, you weren't supposed to be considered as pastor. Um, so I just thought it was cool because I would come and, and speak. And I was from Houston, see my mom and Kelly and I'd eat out. And that was, it was great. So we do that. But I'd leave. And every time I'd leave, I'd be like, man, what would it be like to be the pastor of that place? That's really interesting. That'd be cool to be a pastor and to have so many, you know, from birth to the cradle to the grave to be able to minister to. I'm just doing college ministry right now. But then about Navasota, if you know the route to College Station, about Navasota, I'd be done with that and I'd be on to whatever it was, right? And then, the, but it would burn up. The bush would burn up, right? And I'd get back to what I was doing and it'd be fine. Then another piece I would drive on, on from my house to, we live in kind of Southern College Station to the office. It was by the mall. Same place in the road, two times I heard in my heart, I thought I could do something else. First time I'd ever thought that with Breakaway. I'd started it, led it for 15 years. I could do something else, okay? But I went, and I kept working hard, kept working hard, kept doing my thing. Step, you know, every time I'd get a chance to preach, I'd, I'd give it all I got. And then the phone rings. Hey, we want to meet with you, okay? So we meet for dinner. Now the bush is getting a little bit bigger. Now it's not burning up. Now it keeps going, keeps, keeps happening. Uh, I don't freak out about it. I'm just like, okay, okay, let me take a step. Now let's meet with a bigger group. On it goes until finally I sense in my heart, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? So it's a great, great thing to be able to do that. Now, here's the thing on Moses, Moses. When you get in trouble with your mom, she uses a lot of names for you, right? Your first and middle name gets called out. If somebody wants to be clear, you want to, you know, use those names. Even if you're not in trouble, when you hear your name, they say that two words make the biggest difference in a person, their name and the word home. Those two words in us as humans do something in us chemically. Isn't that interesting? That's the most comforting words in the English language. Home and your personal name. Now, our homes are a lot of them being wrecked, so maybe you go, oh, that's actually the worst word I could hear. But your name, that's a different one. So here it is, Moses, Moses. In ancient culture, this was a sign of friendship and affection, okay? Uh, by being called your name twice was a sign. Of, yeah, I should have said that. Thank you. Your name being called twice was a sign of friendship and affection. So here God calls out Moses, Moses. And Moses goes, oh my, I got a bush that's not burned up that I've walked towards and now I'm hearing my name in it. And here's what I want you to hear. God's will can go from molasses to lightning in your life, okay? God's will can go from molasses to lightning in your life. And in that, that's, it's, it's a fun ride, but it's a scary ride, okay? You think you want to know everything about God's will right now. I submit to you, you really don't know, want to know everything about God's will right now, right? I mean, you don't, we don't need to know, want to know when we're going to die, okay? That's not a good thing to try to figure out, and not that you could. But his will on these other things, on good things, sometimes God can go, Shoo! and all of a sudden you're like, well, this is moving really, really, really fast. Um, we bought a house. It was like, okay, once we start looking, if we find, and next thing you know, we were like selling a house, buying a house. And it was like, hold on, hold on, Lord, hold on, hold on, Lord. Things are moving really, really fast. So here it goes from molasses to lightning with him. He has been 40 years in the desert. Okay, let's start putting some pieces together. He's on the backside of a mountain tending his father-in-law's sheep. He's done that. How many days has he done that? How many years has he done that? How boring could that be? And now there's a crackling, there's a bush, and Moses is about to be a leader of a nation. That is crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. So take a step, 
to discover um, God's will. Now, I want you to look at verse 8, how specific God's will is. I'll, I'll, um, I'll read it so that I don't have anybody that I scare you because you have to pronounce Old Testament tribes in front of your friends, okay? So, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, overflowing with milk and honey. So that's good. The territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Heverites, uh, Jebusites, and Parasites. Um, just kidding. He is so specific, isn't he? He's going to tell them the exact tribes that these guys are going to be pulled from. That's an amazing thought to be able to have that. So there's a specificity of God's will. So our, our first thing is doing God's will leads to finding God's will. Our second thing is take the next step or take a step to discover God's will. Any, any thoughts on that? I know y'all aren't used to talking after I've been talking for a while, so might have a little five seconds of awkward silence. Any, any questions or thoughts? Very good. Yes, active participant in what God's doing in your life. Very much so. That's good. Here's, here's something you may want to write down. Tommy Nelson said, God hits moving targets. God hits moving targets. And a lot of times, what do we want to do? I'll start moving once you tell me what you want me to do. You know, and really start moving and God will tell you what to do. Now, I'm not telling you to, to go out with reckless craziness and, you know, go buy a car and then ask God if he wanted you to buy a Ferrari or not. Okay, that's not what, what I'm saying. I'm just saying you, you take those steps and you start going um, in, in those ways. That's a great word. Somebody else. Yes. I don't know if you're really scared and just don't be making that decision. Right. But following knowing that God put it in the heart that you do it. That's right. It is. Fear and faith are kind of two sides of the same coin of life, aren't they? You know, and we want to whenever time you have fear, you, you have an opportunity for faith. And so when you have that fear, you're able to say, I want to step out in faith, Lord, and I want to trust you. And, and I know this is your will. You know, me sharing my faith, walking on obedience, spending time in the Word. I know this is your will, so I'm going to take a step in that. Yes, sir. I grew up with this concept that we were never supposed to want to get ahead of God. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's good. He said he's, he's grown up with a concept of you never want to get ahead of God, right? And, and how do you not, how do you know when you're doing that? And I think that's a great, great word. What you want to do is you're not trying to get ahead of God. You're just trying to walk with God. And so if it's already written here in this word and it's his will, there's a lot of parts of his will we already know, right? We already know a, a lot of parts of his will and our morality, you know, our focus of life, our, our purpose of life. Now we're looking for the particulars. And that's, are you talking about the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Amorites and all these ites? Now we're going to see his particular thing. But here's the thing. Moses is going to shepherd the people of Israel, isn't he? Moses is shepherding. Moses is going to use his staff for amazing things. Moses is using his staff even in this moment with his sheep, right? So it's not a, we're going to run out and then say, God, come on. It's more of we're going to do what we, what we know we're to do and to keep walking that out and to go for it. And then God will develop it in a great way. I'll give you an example. In my life, I was an intern youth minister in DeSoto, Texas. I didn't have a vocational call of ministry on my life at that point. 
But I had a heart that I'd enjoyed ministering to teenagers at that time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be an assistant youth minister for the summer. And if I like it, I like it. And if I don't, I don't. So I went. I was a business major at A&M. So I, I did that for a summer while all my friends were doing internships with, you know, Procter & Gamble and all these sort of things. I went and, uh, and, and made $100 a week is what I made. You know, they made like $100 a minute probably. I don't know what they made, but uh, more than that. And so, um, but you know what? I came back and I thought, I'm either going to come back. It's going to be a fun summer. I mean, who's not going to have fun going to Six Flags with a bunch of teenagers? Or it's going to be something that changes me. And in that, I went, I love this. And I got home and back to school and I was writing letters to kids and thinking about them and wanting to go up on a weekend and visit them and and it wasn't getting ahead of God. It was getting in line with and in step with God. Cool? Yes, sir. When God starts what? Blessing. Yes, when you start moving, God starts blessing. Yeah, similar to God hits moving targets. That's, a, that's another way of saying that. That's really good. That's good. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. Totally. Yeah. You got to be in tune. That's right. Yeah, his word is a lamp unto our feet or a light unto our path. And that, that lamp and that light will give you a step or two. Not going to give you 50, but it's going to give you a step or two. So that's where I'm saying date one is their date two. You know, unusual interaction with somebody within your industry. Huh. Do I turn in my resume? right? Not do I go in and quit my job that I have now. You know, I feel like the Lord may be leading me to, to do something, so I'm quitting. Don't, that's dumb, okay? Don't do that. And nothing spiritual about being stupid, okay? You do a great job there and keep doing a great job there. And I'm not, you know, and then you, you take these steps here and then at the right time with integrity, give your appropriate notice to be able to have that be. Yes, sir? Yes. Yeah. God's going to get his will done kind of with or without you in a sense. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. Let me give you the, the, um, the third thing. Um, God's will brings humility to us and glory to him. God's will brings humility to us and glory to him. Okay. Uh, Mike, will you read um, verses five and six for us real loud? Good. So look at the end of verse 4, 2, where it says, here I am, he answered. Okay, so God says, Moses, Moses, here I am. And now as he moves closer, he takes his shoes off and he begins to worship. And it says that he's, he's afraid of God. Okay, so God's will is going to do two things, that it, at least. I mean, but these two for sure. It's going to bring humility to us and it's going to bring glory to God. Okay, and those are two key things because we want to be able to have 
reverence and humility before the Lord. When you realize God's wanting you to do something, then you need to have humility. Now, here's what's great. Humility is a key for marriage, right? You're going to get it wrong, and you're going to have to say, I'm sorry. Humility is a key for parenting. I have apologized to my kids before. You know what? Dad got that wrong. I'm sorry that I reacted like that. I'm sorry I lost my temper. I'm sorry that uh, I gave you a punishment that was too, too much um, for, for us. You know, I gave you a nine punishment for a six infraction. You know, so I'm sorry for that. Or, man, I made the wrong decision on that. There's humility that comes in that. There's also humility to be a good listener. I got to quit talking and let you talk. That takes humility. There's humility at the office to be able to say, none of us is as smart as all of us, right? So what are the ideas on this project? How can we work together? How can we move forward on this? So God brings into Moses humility. He had had previously pride, hadn't he? He killed the Egyptian because he was mad at him. In his own pride, he was going to solve the problem. And now he has humility. Now think of the places, though. Let's think about it in another place. Um, He takes off his shoes. Where are the places that you take off your shoes? Home, perfect, yeah. Places you take off your shoes are the places you feel safe and you feel like, ah, I'm at rest. So I want you to hear, God's will is not always easy, but God's will is the safest place for us to be, okay? Not physically safe is not what I mean because there's martyrs in the Christian faith, but I'm saying purposefully safe. I want to be where God wants me to be. There's a song by the group Avalon. If you remember them, they were kind of big a few years ago. Um, And you might want to, you could download this song, but it says, um, uh, the chorus says, I don't want to go somewhere if I know that you're not there. Because the me without you is a lie. Isn't that strong? The me without you is a lie. I don't want to go somewhere if you're not there. And that's the heart that we've got to have is, Lord, And Moses will say it later in Exodus. He'll say, don't send me from this place unless you're going up with me. Because what will separate me? So he takes off his shoes. The most comfortable place that we could be as Christians is with Christ. The most comfortable place we could be with believers is with God. So I want to be able to take off my shoes, relax, chill. Even just taking off your shoes brings a relaxation in your life. Now, I want you to hear this. God's will, the goal of it is not to stress you out. The goal of God's will and seeking it is actually to relax you. <sighs> I'm called. This is good. This is where God wants me to be. I'll tell you a funny story, a little behind the curtain. Um, I prepare for my messages. Basically, the way I manage my time is every morning um, is my time to prepare for the message for Sunday. So I get to the office at 8, uh, about 8 to 8.30. I, I tell my assistant, here's some things we need to get done. It kind of light fuses is what I call it. And then about 8.30, 8.15, I go in my office. I say, I'm going in my hole, and I close the door. And in, in my hole, I'll turn on um, uh, the, the, like, the, um, uh, the uh, what's it called, the cool jazz channel on the TV, you know, or some white noise kind of thing, because if not, I'll hear the highway the whole time. So it feels like this, like, Kenny G for Jesus, you know what I mean, kind of place, all right? <laughs> And then I got these, I got for Father's Day, these leather, these black leather Ugg um, house shoes, all right? And they're expensive, okay? They're, they're like $90 or something. I got them as a gift. So I got those, and I put on these leather black Uggs, and I get in the most comfortable place to hear from the Lord, right? Slip off my loafers, put on my Uggs. They're leather black so that if anybody comes into my office, I can stand up for something and it looks like I got on loafers, okay? is what it looks like. So I don't look like I've got moccasins on, you know, around the office. So, but I can just chill. 
And I tell you what, I hear from the Lord better than if I'm at my desk going, I got 35 minutes to come up with this talk or whatever. You see that with Moses? His shoes are off. His name is called. Here I am, send me. And he's humbly worshiping the Lord. And that humility brings great glory to God. When I come in stressed out, freaked out, prideful, I got to get it done on my time schedule, Lord, that doesn't bring glory to God. So a part of God's will is being able to do, um, to do that. Let me give you a, a quote from a guy named Oz Guinness. He says this, Rebellion against God does not begin with a clenched fist of atheism, but with a satisfied heart of the one whom thank you is redundant. Rebellion against God is not the clenched faith, uh, fist of atheism. That's not where it begins. It begins with a satisfied heart to the negative is what he means, not to the positive, that thank you is redundant. So you're just like, well, I expect this. And that's not how Moses walks in. And that's not how I walk into my preparation. I walk in humbly going, Lord, would you speak to me again? I want to have a heart that's, that's stilled before you to be able to hear that. Um, so he's got shoes off at this point. We're going to kind of go to the next section of this. Um, shoes off at this point, and he is humbly worshiping the Lord. He's hearing his voice now. He's walked through the process, and um, he's really got the heart of the Yankees' first baseman, a guy named Bobby Richardson, former Yankees' first baseman way back when. He offered this prayer at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He said this, Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Isn't that great? God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, Nothing else. And that really should be our prayer uh, in this time. So any, any thoughts before we hit um, four and five in our time? Okay. All right. Okay. Now let's look and see who this God is in verse seven. He's going to tell us who he is. Okay. Here's your point for your listening guide. The fourth step of this, the God of God's will is compassionate and caring. He's compassionate and caring. All right? I'll read verse 7 for us. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt because I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians, to bring them from the land that is good and spacious land of land flowing of milk and honey, a territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, we did all those, then the Israelites, uh, the Israelites cry for help has come to me. I have seen the way of the Egyptians that are oppressing them. Therefore, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Israel. Okay? So here's what we have. We see that God has seen, he heard, he cares. 400 years of slavery is about to end. It's a big deal, right? And he has seen it all. He cares about it. He knows, as Ben said, the wolves that are, that are messing up our rivers. He understands all those things. So you got to understand who the God is that, that loves you. Verse 11, Moses asked God, who am I that I should go? Do you see humility in that? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and should bring out the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly go with you, be with you. And this will be a sign that I have sent to you, that when you bring the people out, you will worship God on this mountain. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites, the God of the fathers who have sent me to you, they ask, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Okay, your next point there, 
I am who I am is the timeless and self-existent God. There's 6,000 verses in the Old Testament where the phrase I am is mentioned. 6,000. Now this means that God is timeless. He is self-existent. He is always present tense. He is the one that cares and is compassionate and knows everything that is there. So we've got to understand when we're trying to find God's will, who is this God that we're asking for his will? He loves you. He's good. Chris Tomlin's got a song out right now called Good, Good Father. If you hadn't heard that song, download it. It's an awesome song. He's a, you're a good, good father. Many of us have messed up father relationships. God's not like that. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. Now, today's God, if you go with me with that phrase, of, of our culture's God is different than an I am who I am God, okay? This is a very specific, this is God, the one and only God. He is very specific about who he is. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am who I am. Today's God is ambiguous, right? Not specific. May the force be with you. How many times have we all heard? Well, you know, the Muslims and the Jewish uh, and, and the Christians, they all have the same God. No, they don't. I mean, Jews and Christians do, but Muslims, that's not the same God. Hinduism, we all have the same God. Well, they've got 600 of them, okay? And if our God is one of the 600, then he's not the same God we're talking about, right? That's polytheism, not monotheism. And so we've got that we've got to understand who he is. He's not ambiguous. He's specific. God is not Mother Earth. He's Father God, right? Mother Earth is very different than Father God. Secondly, God is not subjective, or God, excuse me, God is not, God is objective about right and wrong, not subjective about right and wrong. So when we're talking about doing God's will to find God's will, we've got to realize God's not subjective, meaning, well, you know what, what's right for you isn't necessarily right for you. There's a lot of things in here. It's just straight down the middle. Here's what's right, period. So we've got to understand who that God is. God wants us to have um, a distinct belief, not just a personal spiritual feeling. So we're understanding who this God is that's taking us forward, and what does he do? What does he do? And if you just get that God is just this ambiguous, may the force be with you in the sky, you're never going to find God's will. Because to find God's will, here's the deal, that assumes you find God, right? You've got to find God before you're going to find God's will. So he says, this is who I am. And Moses says, who am I to be able to do this? Who am I to be able to do this? So let's, let's do this for just a second. Let's talk about this God who we're trying to find his will. Let's just call out different names of God. What are some different names of God that you know? Yahweh, Yahweh Lord God Almighty. Good. Jehovah Jireh. What does that mean? Tell me if you know. The Lord provides. The Lord provides. Exactly right. It's good. Adonai. Yep. Means like a, a sweet Abba Father Daddy. The Lord's with us. Hanani. Tell me what that means. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I want, but it's a good one. I don't remember either, but I, it's good. That's good. Holy One of Israel. That's right. Emmanuel, God with us. Elohim. Yes. God, huge, great God. It's awesome. Beginning and end. That's right. It's good. What are some characteristics of God that we have? Some just ways, adjectives we'd use to describe Him. Righteous. 
holy, eternal, omnipotent, yes, all-powerful, faithful, creator, sovereign, yes, sir, almighty, that's awesome, loving, graceful, father, generous, giving, you know, omnipresent, right? All those different things. That's the God we're getting to know. And I want, I put that right there in the middle because I don't want us to get off. Remember I said in the beginning, it's not just about us finding something that's just for us. It's about us glorifying God with this. And then life's going to be able to go uh, better with those, those sort of things. Okay. Lastly, on that, that point, he provides goats, bees, and honey. Isn't that what you're really looking for? Goats, bees, and honey. I mean, that, that's awesome. Now we're like, yes, I'm so glad I came to this. I've been needing to find goats, bees, and honey. That's what he provides. Well, what, is, what does that mean? Goats, bees, and honey means in this agrarian society, that, in that you find that in verse 8 and also in verse 22. Here's what you find. Milk and honey were dietary staples for the Israelites, okay? So this is like bread and butter is what he's saying. I want you to be able to find milk and honey. These are going to help you to be able to do this. Now, here's what happens. Milk, and then you're able to have goats. You have fertile soil. You're able to have all these different things in this agrarian site. He uses these things to begin to provide in your life great things, okay? So goats, milk, and honey doesn't sound good to us, but what he's saying is, I want to provide these foundational things so that then you can have a blossoming life of God's will in your life. Does that make sense? So that's doing God's will in order to find God's will. Number five, our last one. Here we go. God's will is about God, not us. God's will is about God, not us. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Then Moses, your next blank, we, res- we humbly respond, is the next blank. We humbly respond. In verse 11, he says, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh. He humbly responds, okay? Now, why is God's will about God and not about us? Somebody give me a couple thoughts on that. It's for His glory. That's awesome. It's so good. We're selfish. That's right. Anybody else? That's right. There's more to life than our wish list. That's very good. It's very good. You remember that old song back in the early 90s, Garth Brooks, I thank God for unanswered prayers? You know, think of all the things that didn't happen in your life that you're glad about. No, right? A lot of times we think about the things we didn't happen in our life that we're not so glad about. What has not happened in your life than what you're, that, you're, that, you're, uh, that you're glad hasn't happened? Kelly and I, we, we went and ate lunch yesterday, and we were driving... Um, and we were talking about um, stupid things that we did as kids. This, this, uh, this truck went by. It was this kind of, Kelly, my, my wife grew up in the, in the country. So like ranching, you know, all that. Town of 1,200 people. All the guys had trucks and hunted and all this stuff. And she's like, I can't, I can't even, I'm so grateful to God, she was saying, that I didn't die with some guy driving a truck that we were all in the back of the truck you know, just country living type of thing. She said, I, everybody drank in high school. And everybody drove drunk in high school. 
This is like go down the dirt road and everybody starts drinking and partying, doing that whole kind of thing. Let's go spray paint our girlfriend's name on the water tank type deal, okay? <clears throat> and then I started thinking about all the stuff I was in trouble with in the city that was like, I can't, I am so glad I didn't die on some of the things that I did. So I started thinking about with my son, I was like, he's going to do stupid things, okay? I got to get him in the right category of stupid is what I got to do. That's the parenting goal. I need to get you in the right category of stupid, okay? Don't do stupid things with drinking. Don't do stupid things with drugs. Don't do stupid things with girls. Don't do stupid things with the law, okay? But other stuff you can do. I know what's left. I know. I don't know. So I, I told, and then what I'm going to do is, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't thought all this through because I got to figure out what's left. But, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, getting, I'm making my first steps towards the bush. Here's what I think I'm going to do. And I have no idea how this relates to what we're doing here. Um, but I'm going to tell him, be stupid in like you talk too much. You know what I mean? Be stupid in, and in, in you, you weren't as friendly as you should have been. Whatever it is, we're all going to do stupid things. But don't be stupid in these things. That, that, can, that can kill you. So my point is, is that we're grateful for the things that God didn't let happen in our life. And that goes back to us being able to say, Lord, thank you for that. We're so grateful for that. And so when I want to humbly respond to the Lord, he knows the future. And so it's about God, not about me, because I don't know the future. I don't know what's going to happen. He does know the future and he does know what's going to happen in all of those things. So here's what you want. You want God's will of things not happening and you want God's will of things happening because it's about him and he knows, here's the greatness, he knows how the things that he had happened in your life and the things he had not happened in your life, how those are gonna come together to be God's will for your life. See that? Then you're able to be like Garth Brooks, thank God for unanswered prayers, but you're also able to be like, you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman and say, well, thank you, Lord, for all you've done kind of thing. So bringing those things together, those are the key things. Now, here's what I want to say. I want to give you, I have it written out in your listening guide. It says this, don't confuse the byproducts of God's will with the essence of God's will. The byproducts of God's will, I hope for you, are that you have peace in your life. You have purpose in your life. You see fruit in your life. Now, we know that there's a lot of folks in the scriptures that God's will for their life is they were martyred. So I'm not trying to say everything's hunky-dory on God's will. But I'm saying that I want you and I want me to have a lot of wonderful byproducts. But the essence of God's will is what we got to at the very beginning is pleasing the Lord, doing what you were created to do. And as I do what I was created to do, then the overflow of that is peace and joy in my life. Eric Little was a famous Olympic runner um, in Chariots of Fire, that movie back from the 70s. You ought to, if you ever want a biography to read, you should read a biography on Eric Little. It's a very interesting guy. He was going to China to be a missionary, but he started winning all these Olympic events. And he, as he stayed, instead of going to China, he stayed to be an Olympic runner. And people were really kind of mad at him about it because they were like, no, you should go to China. You should lay all these things down and go to China instead of being a runner. And he said, he said this to, in the movie, he says this to his sister. He says, um, God made me for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure, right? So that's a great, great thing. And he had this crazy run. He'd tip his head back and just run like he was looking at the heavens. You know, it's the wrong way to run. But his running, and then he ended up not running on a Sunday in the events and won Olympic medals and other events. That's why we know of him. 
Then he went to China and made a huge difference. But I love that phrase, to take it for your own context. When I run, I feel his pleasure when I'm running his race, right? When I'm speaking, I feel it. This, was, this is my sweet spot. I do other things. This is my sweet spot, is teaching the Word. So I want that for your life. But the essence of me teaching the Word, word is not so that Greg can like his job. That's not the essence of it. The essence of me in my sweet spot and you in your sweet spot is so that God would receive glory and the kingdom of God would go further and I would shine with a light that would point to Jesus. Do you see the difference? And we like the touchy-feely of the byproducts of God's will when he's saying, I want you to have the essence of God's will in your life, okay? The essence of God's will, last blank for you, the essence of God's will is God's worship. The essence of God's will is God's worship. Somebody talk to me about that a little bit. What's your thoughts on that? That makes sense? Y'all at least with me? You agree? Okay, I've said it so clearly and perfectly that there's no comment. That's awesome. Okay, now let me, let me point out one last thing to you. Um, two minutes, got it. All right. Um, it says in here, in verse 18, if you look at verse 18... They will listen to what you say. Well, that's good news. They're not going to really do what he says for a while, but they're going to listen to what you say. Then you will go alongside the elders, and you must go to the king of Egypt um, and say to him, The Lord God of Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. A three-day journey was basically a phrase for them is a major trip with formal consequences. That's what a three-day journey meant. A major trip with formal consequences. So he's saying this. All of this God's will stuff is leading me on a major trip to worship the Lord with formal consequences. God's will is going to be done. That's the essence of bringing this whole thing together. So let me review for us real quick, and then we're done. The first thing that we've got is that we're able to see that doing God's will leads to finding God's will. That's crucial. That's important. We take a step to discover God's will. We've got to step out in faith. God's will brings humility to us and glory to Him. Number four, compassionate and caring. Who is this God of God's will? He's compassionate and caring. Another blank's there. Then five and finally, God's will is about God, not about us. All right? So take that question you got that you wrote down at the very beginning. What am I asking the Lord to do? then walk it through the filter of all these things on the top part of the page and then be able to lay that before the Lord and be able to take that. Sound good? Any last questions or thoughts? Okay. I believe that the Lord has a great will for you. I believe that He's got a plan for you. And here's what's great. God's will always includes God's power. And so now we're able to let God go behind us and go before us and do a great thing with that. So sound good? All right, let me pray for us. And we'll, uh, we'll end. Father, thank you so much. Lord, we love you. Thanks for these men that want to discover your will. I pray, Father, that as they look over these principles, that they would take a step and that they would hear you call from the bush and you would show them the right vocation, the right relationships in their life, the right purpose in their life, the right, right ways to volunteer and, and serve the kingdom of God, even through the church and that you would show them those things. They wouldn't have paralysis by analysis, but they would walk by faith in you. And we thank you for that, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys.
Eric's got a word for us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat hosted by Houston's First Baptist Church. We hope this message has been encouraging to you and pray you have a great day.